Hello everyone, how are we all doing? My name is Kyle Andrews and welcome to episode 14 of the Mental World Balling Podcast, a podcast in which football's ongoing battle to address its difficulty in maintaining the mental health and well-being of all those involved in a professional game is explored. Through conversation with this week's guest, we'll be looking at the mental trauma that suffering injury can have on a player, a player who really has been through the most torrid of times to the point that, despite being only 24, thoughts of leaving the game have crossed his mind. Lewis Page, after joining Exeter City at the start of this season, is finally playing regular football again. It comes after a serious hamstring injury, the second of his career having missed a year out between March 2017 and 2018. Many went 23 months while at Charlton Athletic without playing a competitive game. Lewis's trauma was intensified by the frequent setbacks he suffered in his recovery. On one occasion, as we discussed, he returned for Charlton's under-23s, only to injure his hamstring once again before 15 minutes of the game had passed. It was unfairly met by ridicule among a small number of supporters, but for Lewis, it seemed like the end of the road. We talk about those difficult times that Lewis has been through, how challenging it became to trust his own body, always fearing that the next setback was on the horizon, even when things started to look promising, how hard it was to motivate himself through gruelling recovery periods, thoughts of quitting the game that meant he went into the summer with a carefree attitude as he looked for a new club, and how a couple of niggles this season have helped him to make him feel like his body is one he can trust again. Lewis was kind enough to be open and honest about his emotions and experiences, and spoke about them really well. Let's have a listen. I'm really pleased to be joined by my guest today, Lewis Page. Lewis, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Great to hear. Really looking forward to speaking to you. Lots of things I'd like to cover with you, um, but we'll start off with the uh, introductory question I asked to everyone on this podcast. Uh, it trips a few people up, and it's quite an interesting question. So I just want to get your thoughts on it. What does the phrase mental health mean to you? Uh, yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, I would say just happiness within yourself um, because all the outside stuff is almost irrelevant sometimes. You know, um, as long as you're feeling well and good inside, that's all that matters. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a big topic at the moment uh, that's going around. So it's important that we obviously take, take care of each other. But ultimately, it comes down to yourself. And I realise that as well over the, over the last few years so it's sort of a, a self-awareness of how you're feeling yeah I think it's you can get help from people obviously um, but I think ultimately it comes down to yourself and only you can get yourself out of a bad situation or make yourself feel better um, so yeah I'd, I'd just say just focus on yourself focusing on yourself and making yourself uh, better and right uh, do you think that's something you sort of said it there but is that something that sort of uh, you've come to realise over time um, how aware of you were, how aware of you were of uh, mental health when you were growing up. Was it something you put a lot of focus on? Or was it just something? That's... No, not at all. I didn't. It wasn't really talked about, was it? Um, only it's only sort of the last three years, I'd say, and it's been talked about three or four years. Obviously, it was about before then, but um, yeah, I only started really noticing people talking about it a few years ago, um, and I never really thought about it until then. So, yeah, when you grow up and get older. Uh, obviously you hear about things more and you have to start learning about it and you go through life and have uh, different setbacks or like success, whatever it is, you've got to learn how to deal with that mentally, haven't you? So it just happens in life. You just learn learn these things. So I can assume then that uh, when you were growing up as a young academy footballer, um, you didn't really pay much attention to, to how you were feeling. You just sort of uh, had a sort of single-minded focus. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, although, like, obviously, you do have the, the good and the bad days. Like that's just, but that just feels normal, isn't it? Like, like you didn't really think about it in too much depth. And just you just get on with your day and then go about your business and whatever. And then you go training in the evening and then 
it's almost forget about it. So yeah, I just say it's just part of my life. And uh, when you were growing up as, a, as an academy footballer, do you think you ever got into a position where you let yourself become too much of a footballer? And what I mean by that is that there was no other focus for you. Everything was on football. You had to be a footballer and you didn't dedicate any other time to anything else. Was that a, a situation that you found yourself in? Uh, yeah. Um, pretty much all, like, yeah. I think like if you're in an academy, you're, a lot of your time is spent at that club. So like you don't have much time to um to go out with your mates and whatever so you don't really get the chance to um you obviously you're training like three times a week as a like from like 10 years old and onwards uh in the evenings after school so you finish school go training come back home time for bed or eat your dinner or whatever you don't have time to do anything else and then at the weekends you've got games on a saturday or a sunday you can't go out with your mates on a friday uh so yeah you, your whole focus is on football because you have no real choice it's only the summer it's the summer like you get the uh, the school holidays, of course, and you don't, you're not training and you're not playing. Uh, you go on holiday, you might go away or, or go away with your family or you you go around your mates or whatever, you go play football again, like you go and play sport, aren't you? So it's like, it's just a constant cycle. But it's something that I, to be fair, I actually loved. Like I was always just wanting to be a footballer. So I had to sort of have my focus on that. I guess the big question there is though, if you got to 18 and you hadn't been offered a professional contract and there wasn't yeah. another way into football for you, do you think you would have coped with that? I mean, obviously, initially, you can't expect anyone to cope, but in the, in the long run, do you think you would have adjusted to real life, if you want to call it that? I think so, yeah, because I understood, like, my uh, my dad's been very good for me. He's, like, basically been a mentor for me growing up. Like, he, he always told me, like, the harsh reality of football that, like if you're not good enough or you don't get through, then that is what it is. Like that's just football. That's just the harsh reality of of life and the world in in many industries, not just football. So if you don't make it, then like it's not meant to be. You move on to something else. Like although football is my main focus, um, it can't rule your life. And I've I've learned that especially over the last few years. But even as a kid, like you, I got drilled into me that like, well, it's up to you to make it. If you don't, then it's not meant to be in it. So. Do you think then that attitude has sort of stood you in good stead for you kind of referenced that the last few years where you have had these injury difficulties and have had a lot of time about, about playing the game? Yeah, think, yeah, yeah. I think so, especially because I've had the taste of it. I've had the, like when you had the taste of professional football and you're in it and there's a chance you might lose it, that's when it can really hit you. I think if you've, in your head, you're expecting yourself to be a professional and else is, you're ultimately not there yet. Once you're there, and then you might get taken away from you. I feel like that would hurt more than it would if I didn't make it because I didn't get there in the first place. So, I mean, I guess you sort of, if that's, you know, it's taken away from you when you've achieved it, there's that sense of injustice, isn't there? So I guess that's what, what the feeling yeah, is. Yeah, there's two sides to it in there, yeah. Um, I will just, we'll just move, because I think the main thing, the main reason I wanted to speak to you was because of those injury problems that you've had and the, the psychological impact of those. So I will just skip forward onto, onto that subject, obviously missing quite a bit of your career out there, but I think it's an important thing to cover as, in as much focus as you possibly can. Um, I mean, obviously you're saying there that you, you do have to have some kind of consideration for life outside of football. It has to be on your mind all the time. But really, is there any way that you can psychologically prepare yourself for the... The, the 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 thought that the next day I might have a career-ending injury, I might have a long-term injury. Is that something you can psychologically prepare yourself to deal with? You can, yeah. But previously, I, I wasn't able to, know because um, I'd go into training and games thinking more about 
the injuries and getting an injury than I would about the game. So you're always you're almost then making these things happen like in your head. You've really played it out so that the blow of maybe getting injured will be not as harsh on yourself. You know what I mean? It's it's difficult to to explain, but like once you've had a couple and they're long ones and it's similar, it's not similar injuries because I've had them like pretty much everywhere. It's not been one main injury, so it's not like oh like this is could be the career ending one because it's not. It's been everywhere. Like it's it's not just one thing. Um, but going into the games, obviously thinking negatively, and then negative situations have been happening, um, and that happened on. Oh, it's just been a constant, like, well, for like three years it was at Charlton, obviously, um, and I'd have a good run, but then I'd almost get to that good run stage and think, well, I had a good run, so like, when's it going to happen? Like, you, that's what you start thinking. You start thinking, well, it's that time now, isn't it? Surely. But now I'm at, I feel like I'm at the stage where I think more about the now. I've I've done things right. I do. I'm training. I'm training. I played quite a bit, quite a few games this year. I played twenty plus games already this season, and I'm feel like I'm in a mindset of well, I'm dealing with the now. I feel good, so I'm gonna go out there and enjoy myself and play football and play the game and play as well as I know I can. Um, and I think it's it's led me in good stead. But it was difficult, especially at Charlton. Very difficult. I think it's totally reasonable and that you know if you've gone through those injuries again and again and again to have that sense of anxiety and that fear when you step out on the pitch for the first time after you've had one or you know when you've had the, a few games you start to think when's it going to happen when's it going to happen um so I mean I guess were, were there sort of times where you didn't trust your body you didn't feel confident in yourself and there was just a fear that the next step you take is going to be another injury yeah yeah it was um and they wasn't coming at times when I thought maybe it's going to happen, so like it would happen like where I feel probably the fittest, but it was not. It wasn't about whether I was fit or not, or how well I felt in my body. It was my mind. I felt so negative a lot of the time, and um, I remember what one game springs to mind. Um, I'd been out for a long time. I come back to play against Crystal Palace at the training ground, and it was about ten. Well, it was before so before the warm up. Went out there more worrying about had I done everything to warm myself up. I'd done so much warming up in the gym before I went out to the warm-up itself. Uh, and I remember saying to the physio, like, have I done every exercise I possibly can? I'd have done six or seven hamstring exercises before going out to get warmed up, which isn't right in the first place because you can get you can fatigue yourself, for one, and you don't need it. You go out there and you, you don't need to stretch and do too much. You just have to warm yourself up. So I went into the game, then 10 minutes in, turned to sprint and my hamstring went and it was the I think it was like the third time in a row or something like that from a comeback so that one hit me a lot because I thought how am I how am I going to get out of this like right I was in um, I remember walking back into the physio room uh, my dad was there actually he comes to the game went into the physio room sat on the physio bed and the physio was like what's happened like he was fine like, I, f- I flew through all the rehab uh, I'd actually played some minutes I think in the game a week before come through that fine. It was just this game where I felt a bit more on edge for some reason. So I was sat in the physio room, he checked, checked me over and then my dad come in, the physio let my dad come in because he knew I, was in, I wasn't in the, the great head space. And I just pulled my eyes out for the first time I've ever cried in years. Like, and it just all come out in sort of a couple of minutes. Of, I was just, I can't explain it. It was just like as if it was the end. Uh, it was a horrible feeling. Like I just felt proper low about it all. Felt like just 
there and then packing it in and walking away. But my dad was there. He's like, look, you can't, you can't change it now. This happens. Like, we just got. And he's been really good to be fair. Like he was, he was just like, you can't worry about these things. Like, why are you worrying about stuff that isn't even happened yet? So we had a long chat that night, and then my missus, she's she's been great to be fair. I'd get home and say, we have a laugh about it now, but I'd come home from these 23s games where I'm coming back from fitness and I'd be like in a, like a bad way, devastated and all that. And we'd end up just laughing by the end of the night, like what, what is going on? Like end up becoming like laughable. But yeah, she's been great. My mum and dad have been great. So I can't complain about anything else apart from myself where I was going out there thinking negatively. I mean, I, so after that, under 23s game that you mentioned against Palace uh, a couple of weeks I think it was a couple of weeks after I was, I was at the training ground and I saw you out on your own running um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was absolutely pouring it down it was pretty horrible mm. um, I just sort of like said like, I, I think you're doing a really good job coming back each time and, and you said something like oh well it's all you can do and I could tell from your body language it, it, you weren't quite right um, so no. like it was so it wasn't just a case of you had that that cry you had that choke your dad and everything was fine again I guess in the sort of it did still take quite a little bit of time to to get yourself right mentally uh to, to sort of bounce back from that another yeah, knock it's, it, yeah yeah it did yeah um it took well I don't know I don't know how I couldn't tell you how long it took but I, I was like down and downbeat about it for a good while probably a good couple of months until I got back um and then I can't even remember what happened after that but I think I might have even played quite played a few uh, 23s after that. But yeah, it is what it is. Like, I just said to myself, well, it is what it is. Like, I've got to deal with it now, so I can't change it. And one of the things I just wanted to touch on with that is that um, one, you did suffer that injury in that, you know, when you just came back um, and it's sort of like 10, 15 minutes into the game, you, you've got injured again. Like, the response on social media really, really frustrated me, and I'm sure it did you. It was half of it was people laughing like, you know like you know you become a joke because you keep getting these injuries and yeah, yeah. the other half of it was sort of questioning not just like your your worth as a footballer but your worth as just a person in general because you're not contributing anything you're being mm-hmm. sort of devalued and seen as this sort of like an asset that's not worth anything how I mean when you're already struggling as it is to deal with a situation you're in how difficult is it to, to see those comments and and just ignore them how difficult is it to, to not let them harm you yeah, it was because I didn't I didn't actually see many of them. I just um I took myself away from it a little bit. I didn't really look. But I saw a few and then uh I can't remember it was, but someone told me about all these comments like this uh like forum type thing. And uh I did not think, oh like, I'm just gonna have a look. And uh yeah, I was just just getting battered uh, like comment after comment. Um and then my um Instagram like a uh, what you call it, inbox, like requests on like to send you a message. There was like 250 requests. I was like, why is it 250? Like usually it like, might be a few or something like that, but 250, looked to them all just slating me. So I was just, I remember thinking like, I'm just going to come off it for a bit. It's not, it doesn't, yeah, that, that sort of stuff has never really, uh, never really affected me because I don't, it's not like said to my face, like it's not, it just seems like it's on a bit of paper. I'm not really taking it in. But yeah, like, when I was younger, that would have probably bothered me. But at that time, when I was getting slated, it didn't because I'd, I was already like sort of down enough as it is. I already knew in my own mind like that I was going to get that get that uh, response. But then to them people, I can understand why they're frustrated because obviously yeah, I, I'm a player. I'm not doing my job. I'm doing what other people would love to be in my position. And obviously, I can't do it at that time. 
I can understand the frustration, the annoyance, but they don't see the work that I do. I did it every day. Like I would do ridiculous amounts, and it wasn't because of not trying or whatever. It was because just purely one, the body, maybe the rehab that I did on certain times or rushed back, whatever it was. It wasn't nothing to do with me not trying. So that's just that's what was the most frustrating because I think people thought I was just like he must not must be like sacking it off a little bit. He might do it properly, but I was. How how hard is it to to you know going through that process each time to keep yourself motivated and to keep yourself focused and believing? Because there's kind of this this image always that you know an injured player goes into the training ground, they look to the right and they see the teammates out on the pitch with a ball, mm-hmm. and then you're going into the physio's room and into the gym and working doing the same routine again and again and again. And just just how draining is that experience, particularly knowing that you know in your situation where you know you're putting all the effort and you can do, but you've still got this fear in the back of your mind that the mini step out of the pitch on the pitch, it might all fall apart again. Yeah. And and Joe you know is like as soon as you pick up that injury, you know the you know the time frame. But I started to know exactly what injury I had, exactly what muscle of the hamstring, what Achilles, whatever it was, I would know exactly what it was and I'd know the time frame like pretty much to the day. So it becomes a like, as soon as that happened, as soon as something happened, I would then be thinking, like, I've got like eight weeks, six to eight weeks of just in that gym doing this. Like, honestly, that the, the stuff that we do just to start is just horrible. Like, you're there for hours as well doing tedious exercises and watching everyone else happy and that play the game like a one or whatever. You're not part of it, you're not involved, you don't feel a part of anything. You're just there, just doing your rehab, like, just for yourself. Yeah, it's, just, it's tough, man. Like, but. Then again, what, what can you do about it? That's what I started to think. Like, well, well, I can't do nothing about it. I just got to crack on. Oh, I guess the question there is, is what what can you do? What did make that process easier? Was there anything that you, you did or anyone that anyone that offered help that made it easier? Or was it just something you, you felt you just had to stick yeah. up and deal with? No, the, like, the people at Charlton are great. Like, there's some great people at the club. Like, the, the physios, they're, they're really good people as well. Um, Adam Coe was brilliant with me like we worked one to one for all the whole time pretty much like he's just him him as a person is quite upbeat and he's just he's up for a laugh and stuff so like he bring it out of me and we somehow find a way of just having a laugh and doing the rehab to some some form of enjoyment and then the time the time would go quick like I feel like oh, I was like I was, that? I was like eight six weeks ago but I'm back training now and then it gives you a little boost and, and so on and um, that's where it towards the end of my time at Charlton I felt like I was getting to that stage where I probably I felt like I was see though we returned after the, the COVID and played the last nine games I felt in the best shape it was only like, I tweaked my groin like minimally I missed 10 days of the, the pre-season just before the restart so that that killed it really but maybe that was meant to be and I had to go elsewhere to to free my mind and get away from the place a little bit it's just to to kick on and improve myself again I mean with, with that sort of that, that thing in mind there, the 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 COVID return and and the sense that I mean because obviously you're out you're out of contract at the time and how another sort of motivation dedication question, but how difficult was it to put a hundred percent in in that period when in the back of your mind you're sort of thinking I'm not going to be here in a few weeks' time, I'm not going to be here next season, um, but at the same time you know that you've got to you've got to move on, you've got to prove yourself, you've got to make sure that you're fit and ready. Um, in the mind as much as it is in your body as well for, for the next club and to make sure that you stay in the game. Yeah, and you have to think you have to think selfishly sometimes. You have to think, well, look, if I'm not at this club, then I need to go and kick on elsewhere because this is my career. Like, I, You have to focus on yourself sometimes to get the best results 
as a team. Because if you all play well, then you will win or whatever. So it's the same sort of situation I was in where if I go and put all the effort into my rehab and fitness or whatever, then I'm ready to go into pre-season and help another team out or and get a good trial in and, and um, get a club. Um, fortunately, it happens. Like I was fit all pre-season. Um, went to Plymouth. Uh, there was a contract there, but it was only a short-term one. Ended up going to Exeter and for the year. So it was... Um, no-brainer, really. Um, I was going to be playing in a position that I was more comfortable in. I was playing left-back rather than higher up. Um, so, yeah, I'm yeah, really glad I chose this club because uh, the manager has been really good with me, to be fair. It's um, so, a like, lot I'd play two in a row. He might rest me then on a Tuesday because there's been so many games. It's, it's difficult to play every minute anyway if someone had been fit for the last four years. But obviously, I hadn't played much three years prior. Now I've got to play three, come out one, then I'd play the next group. So, it's, he's... He's been good with me, to be fair. So I think that's what I needed. In that period between the, the first injuries that you had and, and, and signing for Exeter, sort of in a time where you were thinking rationally, was there any point where you thought, I prob- I might quit the game? I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can keep keep doing this. Yeah, um, it was... Uh, yeah, so after we played Fulham in that like, pre-season before the, we were started for the COVID, uh, and I think... Uh, yeah, was in yeah, I was in the garden at my my house actually, and Josh come over after the game, Cullen, uh, and my other mate, and we was having a chat and stuff, and then some dinner in the garden or whatever. And um, yeah, I was just like, oh, I don't know what, I just felt much pack it in, like I just really couldn't be asked with going through it all again. I thought, well, if I go and get a normal job, I'm not gonna have to suffer and keep going through this mental the battle that I'm in at the moment, physical battle. And I could probably just go and live a happy life <laughs> and do a normal job. But realistically, in my head, I was never going to give up. Like I always knew that I had it in me to, to keep playing. So it was just a matter of getting to that stage physically and mentally where I could perform. Obviously, you, you went, as you sort of mentioned, you went on trial at Plymouth Exeter in the summer. Um, how difficult was it to commit yourself mentally to that? Uh, I mean, what I mean by that is, is that you're trying to, like, show the absolute best of your talents but at the back of your mind you've got these past three years where you've suffered injuries and injuries and injuries uh, how difficult is it to sort of overcome that doubt in your own mind and just prove your worth show the the, the full extent of your, your footballing ability yeah. in that sort of you know trial scenario yeah although I did think about it, it was, I was at the point where I was it's like well it's my last um like last chance I think I didn't really have much worry or fear because I thought well I'll just give it a crack I've got nothing to lose. I mean, I'm at the lowest point anyway, so the only way's up. That's what I looked at it. And then I went there, but I was final pre-season, played a few games. Um, and then obviously come to Exeter and played a couple of games in like a week, sort of, um, not a trial, but they wanted to see that I was fit type thing. And I played two, I think I played 45 and 75 minutes or whatever. And I was fine, felt felt good, signed. And then, yeah, just played most, not most of the season, I'd say. But at the, yeah, at the time I, I weren't didn't really too honest. I didn't really care because I was just solely focused on well, I've got to give it a crack. I'm giving it 100. percent I know I've done everything right, so whatever is meant to be will, will be. That's it, where I was at. It's interesting because I, I, someone I spoke to, I don't know if you're aware of him. He's done some work with Cheltenham. Used to play for Cheltenham. Uh, Bradley Pritchard. He yeah. went on went on trial at Charlton for for a week. He was an, an analyst there, but was playing non league, and he just got offered a trial, and he was saying like. The, the best thing for him was that he didn't expect to be in that position and he didn't care. It, whatever happened, will, will, what will be, will be. 
And if you didn't get a contract, whatever, my life will continue as it is. I'm, I'm fine with that. So the fact that you'd put yourself into a position, uh, quite, you know, obviously very negative circumstances and your mindset was fairly negative in the terms that you felt like, you know, you, you're on the verge of giving up. Actually, that benefited you because it made you more relaxed. It just made you feel like you could just, you know, this is my one last chance. I've got to commit to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. You said it all there, to be fair. Um, yeah, it just comes to you, you reach breaking point sometimes. Uh, and that was that summer was the breaking point. I felt, well, yeah, I've done every single running drill, done all the gym stuff that I could possibly do. I'm going to go there, enjoy it, and give it one last go. If it works, fantastic. Uh, which, yeah, it's, I'm playing now. So, yeah, I'm glad I, I'm glad I definitely did it. Or I could be sat at home regretting it, thinking, well, what if I was all right? What if I didn't pick up an injury? And I went elsewhere, cleared my mind. I'm not a Cholton. I'm at a different, completely different place. They don't see me in that light. You never know what could happen. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror and think, well, I didn't go for it. I need to, I always give 100% and that's what I'll always do. So and I'm, here, I'm here now. So, and <laughs> when, when you, uh, so that when you made the, your, your first competitive appearance after so many months out, uh, so for Exeter, what, what was your mindset like then? Obviously, it's, it's, you know, it's easy just to sort of think that well, as a professional footballer, you've just got to focus on the game and not think about any of the outside context or anything. But in your situation, I can imagine that must have been very, very hard not to do and not to go into it with a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear of, right, I'm playing again. But the last time this happened, I picked up an injury. And, you know, just how difficult was it to to ignore all those thoughts, ignore those anxieties and, and commit yourself to the game? Yeah, it was. But I had played probably five or six consecutive games before the season officially started so I'd had the game time I knew that I could do it so like the, the fact that it was like the fact that it was you know a competitive league appearance didn't yeah. make much difference no no because I it's not the fact that I yeah, because I've always backed my ability it's not like I've gone out there and been thinking oh, like, do I still have it I knew I still had it but it was just whether I could do it over a consistent period of time so then I went into, well, we had uh, Bristol City in the FA Cup was the first game that I played. So I could have had an easier one. <laughs> um, yeah, championship side, obviously, we're in League Two. So it was a bit of a, a, bit of a step up, like a proper game in that. Um, and then I played, I think, 60 minutes and then he, he changed it around and took a few of us off or whatever. And yeah, we played well. But like, yeah, before the game, I was a bit nervous and that. But I always get a little bit, but I'm always confident and positive in myself. So it's not, it wasn't, I didn't actually think about it in the game. So I knew once I got through that game, I was like, well, I was all right. So just to keep, keep the ball rolling, basically. I mean, so obviously this is a hypothetical situation, so it might be quite hard to answer. But if that had been, you'd been in the same situation at Charlton, so let's say towards the end of last season, you came back and you got a first-team game, do you think your mindset would have been very different to how it was this season at, at Exeter? Uh, I don't know. Um Probably not. No, I think I would have been the same because if I'd have had then five or six games, then yeah, I'd been I'd been the same. But maybe if I was a child, I wouldn't have had the five or six. Do you know what I mean? So I probably would have only had one pre two preseason games rather than the amount I did. So maybe I would have been in a different situation. So I mean, really, you um, needed that though, that that preseason just to yeah, to build you have some to trust like, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a boxer that goes into a ring. He's been two years out. He's rusty. Like it takes time to. You have to be, you get the ring rust. Like it's the same with football. Like you have to be out there to to get that game time to to build yourself not only like footballing wise, but that physically to all the conditioning. So I've 
I'm quite interested in this one, see what your answer is. But like, I've noticed that you, you have had a, a couple of small injuries this season, but you've come back fairly quickly. The first question is, was having no... So that's the, the first injury that you had this season. Straight away, what was your mind like then? Was it, oh no, it's happening all over again? And the second thing is the fact that you've come back from those injuries quite quickly. Has that given you like a, a, a big bit of reassurance that actually, yeah, my body's fine. I'm, I'm the player that I can be. And they were just, you know, I've moved on from that period where I kept getting injuries. I'm, a, I'm who I can be now. Yeah. See, like, I, I, I've been told many times that, look, this is your first season proper in like three years. So there's, if I'm playing the amount of games that I'm playing, you're playing week in, week out. There's two games a week that you're gonna pick up. You're gonna pick up stuff, like even fit players would would pick up things. And obviously, I've been out so long that it's just inevitable that you're gonna get a couple. Um, I got the first one, and it felt actually worse than what it was. So initially, I was like, oh, "That feels quite bad," but it wasn't. Like I built myself up to a conditioning level where I was pretty strong, pretty fit, and it didn't take very long at all. And it's the same with the last or the two two or two that I've had really. Um, they've all just been like a couple of weeks, three weeks, whatever it was. I only missed a few games. So, yeah, that made me feel like, well, that's what a normal person would have. <laughs> like in my head, I'm thinking, well, a normal person will come back in three weeks, not three months. So, I was, I'm was, i happy with that. Like, I'll, I'll take that. You, if you're going to miss a few in the season. So, I'm just. I mean, yeah, that, that, just, that, yeah. that normality must be in your mind really, really reassuring, though. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say anything to it. I touch wood. No, no. Good, <laughs> I was saying, uh, I was saying to Lewis before we started the conversation. I was saying to Lewis before we started that uh, we organised this last week and I was terrified that he'd get an injury in, in, uh, in Saturday's game. So, so don't get an injury next week either, please. Don't, and don't put a blame on me. I'm not going to do this, but yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, I just yeah. wanted to uh, like take a step back now to think about mental health in football more generally. But we'll, we'll actually, we'll, we'll combine it with your, your injury stuff. Over those years while you were at Charlton, when you were going through those difficult times with your injuries and stuff, was, was opening up about how you're feeling to your teammates, something that you were comfortable doing? Did you ever do that at all? Is it, is it, or is it still the sort of the, the sense that even though like it's quite visible that you're going to be going through a difficult period, that talking about it in that environment, in the dressing room environment with other footballers, is still something that's really hard to do? Yeah. Like, you t- you're always closer to some people than you are others. Some players, staff, wherever it is. And like with like so Josh was there, um, Piercy, the physios, whatever. They're all really good with me. They'd always ask me how I'm getting on. Like they see me in the gym working on I me, mean, I always put the red in whatever and ask and stuff. So they were great. But yeah, you have them the people you talk to aside from football. So like so Piercy would message me after a game if I'd played or whatever and, and make sure I'm alright. Um obviously Josh is like one of my best mates so I speak to him regularly. Um, so them two were the main ones deal as well but yeah I wouldn't say it's I think it's it's a lot easier now than it would have been years ago I know that from what people have said but it's just up to you I think whether you want to speak about it and whether you just rather just deal with it with the people on your family or your friends from home rather than do, talking to people that are in the same bubble if you know what I mean I'd prefer to talk about it with someone else who doesn't really understand it and then they can have a different viewpoint because I think if you're in it then you're just so like you don't see anything else, you've got your blinkers on. Like they just say, oh, well, you're out for another uh, couple of months, you're irrelevant now, you, you're, not, you're not no worth. So like, that's, I'd rather just speak to someone who's on a personal level rather than in a football. But that's just me. And there was a, a comment that I saw um, that I, I did see at the time, but I just remembered it while I was looking, uh, sort of writing up my notes for this interview, which was 
Lee Bowyer saying in an interview that he only wanted to hear about you when you were ready to play. He didn't want to hear any other updates about you, uh, just that when you're ready to play. Uh, that to me sounded like a frustration that, you know, that this play, this asset that he has wasn't ready and he wanted it to be ready. Um, but I mean, for you hearing that, I'm going to guess it was quite a uncomfortable thing to hear. And I, I guess it sort of reaffirms the thing that, you know, speaking to people in, in, in the football bubble about these things where they can't kind of take a more rounded approach to it and see beyond you being an asset, yeah. it is quite a difficult thing to do. So really, just how did that make you feel? Yeah, I was like, I'm almost like, like cringing a little bit, thinking, oh, like, just put the headlights back on me. I was thinking, I don't, didn't really need that. But he was, he was actually really good with me, to be fair. Like, when I was fit, he did replay me and like we had a good relationship and whatever. So I can't fault him, like, really. It's just, you know, that, at that time, I was like, oh, like, people are people just going to look at me now thinking, why is he not bad? Or, because they would ask me then, well, what's the situation? Rather than they already be out there. So then if I'd come to the games and watch the games, then I'd be asked, like, 20, 20 times easy every game, like, when you're back, like, what's, what's happening? Where are you in your ring? That must be so draining. And I'm like, and I'm like again and I again. don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Like I just say like oh yeah I'm, I'm nearly out a couple of weeks away, which there I was probably, but I was like well I don't I don't I don't know like for one I don't know when I come back that obviously the gaffer might want me to play three twenty three games then train have a good training load for a month. It's not like people think oh when you're fit like you you're not injured anymore you don't just go straight back and play like they you have to go through a process and that's what people don't understand they're like well you've been out you've been out a month I'm like well no I've only been injured. 10 two weeks 10 days two weeks but you have to do two weeks on fitness because you you lose it like you can't just go into a elite level sport and just expect to be able to run around like it don't happen like that and i think as well from also from what you've said is that it isn't just a case of getting back to physical fitness it's making sure you're mentally right and prepared to, to go back into that into that environment and be ready for professional football yeah um and what was difficult, I, me- I remember um, having like a little hip flexor, well, not a little, but big hip, hip flexor injury, which put me out for about six or seven months. And I saw, I think, nine specialists it was, and four or five physios, and none of which knew what was wrong with me, could pinpoint what it was. I had a grade three strain, which is quite a bad one in the psoas. Um, I ended up having an operation on a hernia and whatever just to see what was in there basically because I still be getting the pain kicking the ball like and, and running and sprinting so I remember at the point there going to see um, loads of specialists and I come back from there thinking well I want him to I want him to, I would go there thinking I want him to tell me that there's a problem because then I'd know where to sort it but I'd go there come, I'd come out of there thinking well, I'd, well I'm in the same position I was before I went in I don't know don't really know they're half guessing I'd They'd send me, they'd give me, they'd give me a rehab program to do with the club. The club would then try and fit it into what they've got, and we'd try it. So that was all, that was the most frustrating one I had because I didn't know really know what it was until quite late on, where it just seemed to fizzle out and it was all right. I mean, I guess there as well. You, it's you're not working to a deadline, then are you? You, you don't actually know no. what you, you've just you're just working for the sake of working and hoping that yeah. eventually it's going to fix itself. Well, then you can't like yeah it's difficult that because then you ain't you're not going out you haven't got something in mind where you're focused on you've got different stages to get through you're just in the one big stage where oh, i don't know what it is let's just go with one way that's what it was just we'll, we'll step away from the injury stuff now and look more sort of more 
solely on, on mental health in football. Yeah. What a, a lot of people have said to me is that they don't, kind of what you said as well, is they don't think that mental health is as stigmatised as it was in football. There has been a, a great deal of improvement. But at the same time, they, they wouldn't really feel comfortable speaking in the dressing room, but they would like to seek support if they, want, if they needed it. They are comfortable speaking to other people about how they feel. Um, but they just don't want to be speaking to someone who has got, whether it's a teammate or whether it's someone in the coaching staff who's got some sort of influence on team selection because there's still the big fear that if they show something that could be perceived to be a weakness, it's going to have a negative influence on their career or just simply a negative influence on their, on their chance of selection. Um, is that something you'd echo? That if you're in a position where you had an issue and needed support, you'd go elsewhere rather than speak up in the dressing room, talk to your manager um, and like that isn't a sort of a reflection on the people within the football. It's more just the nature of football that it has created this sort of uh, culture where there's always this fear that if you do speak up emotionally, you might be showing a weakness. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd, yeah, I'd say you you probably would go elsewhere because then you you ain't got to worry about any not repercussions, but like you don't have to worry about what people would think. Then or is it your right to play or whatever? You, you just want to get out of there, really. I, I personally would go elsewhere. Um, and that's not because, as you said, the people in football, but you don't want any misconceived perceptions going out there where they're putting a something above your head. Well, I don't know if he's right. Like, what's what's wrong with him? Like in the head. But it shouldn't really be. It shouldn't be like that. But that's just. I think it's not all that interesting football. But it's a lot of places will probably think well. So let's say if you're in a job, they were like, well, we've got one person here who wants to get promoted, and another person who wants to get promoted. But this one's got a little bit of a is he is he is he right mentally at the moment? Well, you're going to put the other one through, aren't you? Because he seems to be perfect. So that's just the way it is. Like I think that that's just life. Man. I don't know. I don't really know what I would how I would change that, but that's just the way it is. Mm. And I suppose when you when you sort of lay it bare like that and put it in that that sort of very blunt sort of circumstance, it is it is difficult to sort of <laughs> argue against it. And so yeah, how do you challenge yeah. that? But it's it's well, I guess the the way you challenge that is by ensuring that people don't get into those situations where they are struggling mentally and yeah, yeah. and stop know, it at the source yeah yeah exactly stop it and be proactive rather than and then reactive. Mm. Um, but do you think that um, let's say hypothetically you, you did you did feel like you needed to seek some sort of uh, more sort of formal support? Do you think those options are there for you? Um, would you know what process to go through? Um, do you think that like, football's created a at least sort of a, a pathway that means that you can access it if you do need to. Yeah, uh, yeah, you can. Of course, you've got the PFA. You can you can contact them. I know this from other lads that I've seen do it. I've never done it myself, but I've seen other lads contact the PFA and um, cancelling or whatever. And even retired players I know have done it. And you should. I well, I know at Charlton you have a club reverend, um, Matt. Who was yeah, he was really good as well. You can speak to him. I chat to him actually every couple of weeks. Um, like when he come into the club, we just ask how I am, and we end up getting a deep conversation. Uh, so yeah, he was he was good, um, and then as I say, yeah, just contact the PFA. I mean, this is this is turning into the uh, Matt Baker celebration podcast. He gets mentioned every week, does he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, was, he's a good guy, a really good guy. Yeah, I spoke I spoke to you for this as well, and he is he is fantastic. I, mean, I just yeah. love his love his mentality and love his uh, yeah, yeah. His, his kindness. I think is what I like the most. He does genuinely care about other people, and it's it's, yeah, course, it's yeah. nice that figures like that are in football. Um, so. Just to wrap up, Lewis, um, what do you think football could do? What, what, what more could football do to support the, the mental health and well-being of everyone that's involved in the game? Have you got any sort of thinking on that? I had, no, I'd, 
Idea-wise, I don't. But I know that things are going probably in the right direction because the subject's so big. Like the football industry has to help in this this um, subject. And obviously, the PFA are doing a lot. The clubs obviously. Are, I think the clubs could uh, make it easier or make it more of an avenue to go to these PFA people because you have to contact them obviously yourself, ring them up, or whatever. But these, but people that probably need it probably won't go and look for it themselves. If the I don't know how the club could do it, but the probably club could probably ask players individually in individual meetings. Like, do you want to see it? Do you want to speak to anyone? And it doesn't have to be the staff at the club or the the manager who's going to select the team. Be someone like Matt who could put you straight into someone because then it, you're not speaking to loads of people. Those people don't know about it. You only Matt and say the PFA guy would know, and then you're just you can deal with it there on the side while well, doing your job without anyone really knowing and taking not taking a view on it and having an opinion on it yeah I think you raised a good point there in the fact that people like Matt do have or anyone at a football club that has a kind of uh, connection to the first team but isn't contributing to the first team basically that they've got a really important role because as we sort of mentioned earlier the opening up and speaking out to, to other people in the dressing room, to coaches and stuff is, is a challenging thing to do because you're worried about those repercussions. And if you do sort of put it on, put the onus on, on coaches or other players to sort of look out for sort of signs that someone might have an issue. Whilst, yes, you want them to do that, you still, if then someone approaches you, I imagine it's quite difficult then to say, yeah, you're, you're right, I had got this issue because you're still worried yeah. about those repercussions. Whereas if it's Matt that, of course, you know, another chaplain or someone else in a similar role comes forward and says look I've noticed this in your body language is everything okay you say something to him and then he leads you in the right path to the support you need yeah um, yeah so just sort of having sort of like an intermediary that connects those, those, yeah, those two you, things sort of, yeah it in a way cuts out five middlemen just have one almost that's what it's like you don't need all these people knowing you can deal with it with the person that really going to help these other the other people won't help they'll just know about it and then probably start having a perception of it that's where it's got a change for you i mean obviously in an ideal world we'd all want a sort of environment where everyone can be open and everyone can be speaking freely about how they feel and everyone can support each other yeah, but i think so. that there's got to be some degree of understanding that the football environment doesn't accommodate that and yeah. is but we can look at how how as you sort of say, how things have changed and football is improving and continues to improve um, and what I kind of always say is that I think to celebrate what, what's, what's been done and when more things are being done at the moment, if they don't quite work out, if people don't quite sign up to it or if there's still these sort of little niggling issues, that's OK. At least things are being done. At least things are being tried. And I think it is very evident from all the conversations I've had that it is being spoken about more and there is a more the, the, the culture is changing to adapt to it a little bit more, if not still that sort of like the, the peak point of opening up in a dressing room or whatever um so i think yeah yep, things are improving and there is a positive outlook um it just it's maybe more now about mitigating the kind of the high intensity kind of environment where you can't really speak about things and having av- other avenues of support um lewis it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you uh wanted to speak to you a while because I, I, I thought you'd have a few interesting insights to give uh, with your with your story and the, the things you've been through over the past few years really pleased to see you back out playing again really pleased that you're in a you're a good place both in the mind and in the body uh, and long may that yeah. continue and hopefully hopefully again i've not jinxed that uh, but, again, <laughs> no, no, yeah. but again thank you very much mate and good luck for the rest of the season uh, cheers carl appreciate it thank you you can really only applaud lewis's determination 
and be delighted that he's playing regularly once again with hopefully many years of career ahead of him. I think too it offers a reminder that it's become very easy to view players as nothing more than a commodity, an asset that has no value if it can't be used. There's almost a sense that, as a result of that, a player deserves criticism rather than the support they evidently require when an injury recurs. The pain of an injury certainly extends well beyond the physical. Next week, we'll be speaking to Joe Francis, who is Head of Education and Welfare at Charlton Athletic. He's incredibly passionate about mental health and ensuring that the well-being of those who come through Charlton's academy is protected, whether they earn a professional contract or not. In fact, he's very keen on ensuring that young people he works with are seen as just that, people rather than players. If you're new here, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at WellBallingPod, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at K underscore Andrews Photos, and most importantly of all, keep well, keep safe, and keep talking about mental health.